0: If you're new with us today, we're, uh, we've been in a series that we've been in since mid-January. As we're looking at the, the vision, the mission, the values of our church, and it's this understanding that this is not our church, this is not our ministry. In fact, we're a part of something so much greater than ourselves. Uh, this is Christ's church, and we're a part of his church that he's established around the world. But as we're here, he has specific things for us to do in this area as uh, we seek to make disciples both here and far. And so we have now a vision, a mission, and a value, our values that kind of drive us in these things. And and this is now week nine of this series, Uh, correct that, week eight of this series. So we're going to do another pop quiz and see how you're doing here before we show uh, the vision, mission, and values. So what's the vision of Maple Plain Community Church? Okay, I'm going to give that a solid C-minus. All right, we've got, we got a couple more weeks of this. Our vision is to be a place to connect. I knew we'd get that part, right? Uh, so connections is really talking about the relationships that we uh, value as a church, and our mission kind of spells out those relationships. We uh, first connect with God, second, others, and third, Yeah, connect with God, connect with others, connect others with God, and it's this idea that first and most important as a church is our relationship with God, and then our relationship with one another as believers, and then our relationship with those who don't believe, that we connect others with God as we're a part of all he has to do around the world. And I'm going to show you the the values here, because there's nine of them, it's hard to remember. But all these values are are the things we kind of stand on as a community that really fuel our mission to reach our vision. Uh, Prayer, worship, uh, biblical foundation, fellowship, discipleship, Christian unity, Christian service, local outreach, and global missions. And so what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks is combining local outreach and global missions kind of in one overall idea, which is evangelism as we seek seek to share the good news of Jesus with people in our lives. Now, we've kind of set out three goals as a church, which I'm going to fly through kind of quickly here and really focus on the third. Uh, but first, uh, as you probably know by now, we have a goal that every person spends 10 minutes a day in Bible study and prayer to give God 10 minutes. And we've made some resources known and available uh, for you and challenged you in some specific ways in that sense. But this is really your time with God. So if you need help uh, making that happen, talk, talk to me or any of the ministry staff. We'd give you plenty of resources and pointers for that. Um, Second is to be involved in in some kind of uh, community in a small group or Bible study, somewhere where you can be building those relationships with other believers. And then third, this is the big goal that we're really tracking throughout the year, which is to reach 200 people with the gospel of Jesus. And these are people that you know. And this is really a challenge. It's a personal challenge for all of you, that each of you should be praying about reaching one person through the calendar year uh, with the gospel of Jesus. And in order to know for sure that we're meeting this goal, we just ask you to simply submit that to us, that, that you did it, or to share with me, or send an email, or whatever it might be. We're not going to know if we meet this goal if, if, we, don't, if we don't know uh, your, your stories. So we have a simple submission form in which you can uh, fill that out online. It's just our website, slash reach200, or there's a, a button on our homepage. And it's as simple as just clicking Yes that you shared the gospel with someone, and you can submit any more details that you would choose to after that. But I encourage you to share the stories, because I've heard some really encouraging ones over this last week, and we made a lot of progress. Uh, Last week, we were at 4, last Sunday, and as of this morning, we're at 14. So a lot of people are are getting around this and and sharing and, and the opportunities that they have, And some just incredibly encouraging stories, and and what I've been hearing from everyone is that they've done it once, and now they're excited to do it again. And it's not like I checked off the box and I'm going to sleep in uh, every Sunday for the rest of the year. They want to keep doing this, and this is God's design for us, and for us as a church, is that we would continue to share the gospel with people whenever the opportunities arise. And that's really kind of the theme of today's message. If you open up to the book of Colossians. And, and Steph had already read one of those verses, is, is making, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity you have and being prepared to share the gospel when the opportunity arises. And so last week we talked about that idea of preparation from more of a, a mental sense. This week we're talking about preparation from a spiritual sense, to be spiritually prepared for these moments as they come along. How many of you have ever prepared for a trip? Maybe for days or weeks or months, and you have all the details figured out, and then you realize during the trip you missed one really important detail. Any of you ever have that moment? And you realize that it's kind of too late once you you realize it, but it's a a terrible feeling. And when I was in college, I was in a traveling uh, music ministry group, and we would go around and sing at, at various churches. And, and one summer, we did a one-month tour uh, where we went over 5,000 miles across the country, as far west as Montana, as far south as, as Texas, and as far uh, north and east as like Pennsylvania. And, and one day, uh, we were about in the middle of this tour. Uh, we were moving from Houston to Ohio. Where we were uh, traveling, our van and our trailer and everything. And it was a big trip the biggest trip we'd be taking for the entire tour about 1500 miles of of driving that we're going to try to knock out in about a day and a half two days so it's a very aggressive uh, long trip we're going to take and so we prepared for it uh, the day before by making sure everything was packed and ready to go make sure we knew the time and where we're going to we were going to leave and where we're going to stop we had the vans oil changed and the tires rotated and we got up about 5 o'clock in the morning, and were piled in the van. And everything on our list was checked for this trip. We were prepared for it. Uh, but we missed one really important detail. And just as we were uh, exiting Texas, the van starts to sputter and stop. And we ran out of gas. We forgot to fill up the gas tank. And we're so intent on going that that we, we didn't even look at the gas gauge. It just kind of drained. and. And fortunately, we're a couple miles uh, from a gas station and some saint came uh, with a a uh, five-gallon jerry can and and filled us up and didn't even charge us for the gas. And we we got there and and it it worked out okay. But we planned every single detail out except for one of the most important things. You know, that's how we can approach evangelism at times when we share the gospel with people is, is we forget the most important part of all of this is Prayer. And prayer is like the, the fuel for evangelism, right? And if you try to do this under your own power and your own plans, you will sputter out and you will fail. We often get this idea of if I can just get enough biblical knowledge and just jam that all in my head and come up with the perfect speech and the, and the argument that will, will bring people to Christ and, and have this just a personality that people can't say no to, then I will bring thousands of people to Jesus, And I pray that would be the desire for all of us, right? But none of that's going to be possible without prayer. And the most prolific evangelist in the history of the world was the Apostle Paul. And he understood the importance of prayer often. And and that's precisely what we're going to be reading today in Colossians. It's just five quick verses, but each of them are five points you should be praying about in evangelism, but all of it should be covered and saturated in prayer, no matter if this is your first time sharing Christ or your 100,000th time sharing Christ. Every bit of it is to be covered in prayer as you're prepared spiritually. So if you're not already open, uh, open up now to Colossians. We're going to read chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, but let me just pray for us before uh, we read this and take a closer look. So God, we thank you for the, the gift it is to be able to share your faith with others. And, and God, we just want to pray that we would not be doing this in our own power, and our own understanding, but that we would be trusting wholly on you for all things. That you would equip us and you would prepare us, that you would give us the courage and the strength Uh, God, that you'd give us uh, just the wherewithal and the discernment and the wisdom to approach these situations. But we know that no matter what opportunity we have in life, it is not uh, an accident. It is not our own doing. It is ordained by you. And God, you have a specific purpose and plan for all those things. So God, I pray as as we think about this goal of reaching 200 people uh, and, and for our own lives just reaching one person... And God, I pray that we would commit this to you in prayer, that we would be prepared, that we would not run out of fuel in this, but God, that we would be filled by you and your Holy Spirit as we do your work to be your hands and your feet, to your salt and your light in this world. So God, I just pray for all of us now that we'd we'd, uh, just commit these things to prayer to you and that we would uh, just be trusting this to be in your hands in all matters. And so we uh, just pray you'd be speaking to us now through these words. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's read Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So those are five kind of quick verses, but I see each verse is a, really a directed, uh, uh, directed area to point your prayers when it considers evangelism. And the first is kind of maybe more of an overarching point as we look at verse 2 is to, to cover all of evangelism and prayer. Every facet of it and every step of it should be trusted to God in prayer. And there's this command here that's kind of general in a sense is that we as God's people should be devoted to prayer and to be watchful and thankful in all areas. And to be watchful just simply means to be awake. To be cognizant of of your surroundings and what's happening around you. And to be thankful that none of it is by accident. That God is working around you. He's working in you. He's working through you. That all of this is in God's power and provision. So as we apply this specifically to evangelism, we can understand that every situation and every opportunity around you is by God's plan but it's also this awareness. This is the important part here as we look at this first verse. Evangelism, sharing Jesus, is purely a spiritual matter. It is not a human-centered effort. This is only possible through God's power. And so if you're effective as one who shares Jesus with others, it's not because you have a good personality, It's not because you have a lot of head knowledge. It's not because you're super disciplined or a gifted speaker. It's because God has equipped you and empowered you to do so. Because evangelism is is not some uh, human fleshly effort where we're battling other people that they would just finally yield and come to our viewpoint and opinions. It's not a battle with people. It's a battle for people. Because the message that we're entrusted with, the gospel of Christ, is, is not something that just brings people from a place of being wrong to being right or being bad to being good. The gospel has such power that it, it takes you from being dead to being alive. Okay, That we, without Jesus, are dead in our sins, but through faith in him we can be made alive in Christ. And that's the fullness of the gospel at play in someone's life. That's the gift that we are sharing with people. And that kind of ability is far above any of our pay grade, right? None of us can make a dead person alive. These words are God's, and they have great power. And this means that there's going to be opposition to that. That Satan, the great adversary, does not want you to share these words. So evangelism becomes this spiritual battle that we enter. That's why it needs to be covered in prayer. And if God is urging you to share the gospel with someone, Satan will be whispering to you to stay silent, to be discouraged, to say, I I wouldn't make a difference in their life, or I wouldn't know how to answer their questions He's going to try to distract you and put your focus on other things. He's going to try to divide you into putting your affections in other areas. Satan absolutely wants you to stay silent if you have the gospel alive in your life. And Satan does not love the church, but there's a certain kind of church that he does love. A quiet one. An apathetic one a compassionless one, one that focuses only on themselves and has no burden to share the gospel with anyone else. If you are not sharing the gospel, it means Satan is rejoicing. Evangelism is a spiritual matter, every bit of it from top to bottom, and so you need to cover it in prayer. But we can have encouragement in this because we, uh, we are way steeped in this. It is way above our heads of how to even approach this. We can be encouraged in this because Jesus promises to be with you through all of it. There's kind of two big commissions towards evangelism in, in the Bible. There's Matthew 28, which most of us would know by heart. Go, therefore, and Make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, oftentimes when you read that, we start thinking of this through our own efforts and say, this is, this is God's commission to the church. How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? What, what kind of uh, strategies are we going to have? Let's, let's pull out a map and circle all the places we want to go of how we are going to share the gospel and do all of these great things for God. And if you approach it in that mindset, you will fail. Because sandwiched around that verse are two great promises of which Jesus starts that commission by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus. And he gives this great commission. And then after that, he says, and I will be with you always. What that means is I'll be with you through that all to the very end of this age. And Acts 1.8 is a similar commission where it says, be my witnesses therefore in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But before that, it says, You will receive the Holy Spirit, which will give you power. All right, evangelism from top to bottom is a spiritual matter. It is a spiritual battle, and you need God's power. Prayer is connecting to the power source. Prayer is filling up the tank with fuel in order for this to happen. Evangelism is not a human-centered effort, but every part of it is God's work in you and through you. So cover all of it with prayer. And now we're going to get a little more pointed here in the verses to come of how we can be praying. In verse 3, we read that Paul is asking for prayer that God may open a door for the message So that they can proclaim the mystery of Christ. And this is a prayer for Paul in a sense. But more so, it's it's a prayer for others. Praying for those who need Jesus. Because those who do not live in faith are going to have barriers in their life. It's going to be difficult for them. There's there's hurts and there's misunderstandings. And there's things that are keeping them. Closed doors that are keeping them from Jesus. This is a prayer for them. Pray that God would open up the doors in their lives so that they could hear the message of Jesus. We talk about a man who has been wildly successful in evangelism in his life. Okay, now as, as you heard in the, the children's message there, Paul is writing this while in prison. That's just says he's in chains. He's already shared the gospel with tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people in his life. Multitudes, more than you could ever imagine or count, have come to faith in him. Churches were built in places around the world. This is a man, if there's anyone to have confidence in themselves, it would be Paul. Yet he understands the only thing that will make him successful in going through those closed doors in other people's lives is God and his work, and he's soliciting prayer from people, that God would open up those doors. But the situation he's in right now is kind of bleak. And and you know, this isn't his first time in prison. He was in, in prison in, in, in uh, Philippi with Silas, and he was kind of arrested for bogus things, but he's there, and he and Silas were singing throughout the night, and. And the ground literally shook and the doors literally flung open. Okay, so talk about praying for open doors while in prison. That's what happened. But now, as uh, some time later, he again is, is uh, accused of bogus things in Jerusalem and was nearly put to death. And he appealed as a Roman citizen to come before the emperor to plead his case that he'd get the final uh, verdict given there. And through a long trip, he is now in Rome when he's writing this letter. And he's praying that the door would be opened for him to share Jesus. Now, if I'm the one receiving that, that prayer request from Paul, I would assume what he's saying is, pray that I am freed from prison. right? Because even in, in the most optimistic sense, where he's at right now, if, if I'm someone on the outside looking in, I'm, I'm thinking he's got like a 50-50 shot, of receiving the death sentence from the emperor. And that's the most optimistic take here. So we'd be thinking for doors to be open, for people to hear the gospel from Paul, I should be praying for his freedom that he can just walk out of those prison, walk out of that, that house to rest. And, and the situation he's in right now is it's not a typical prison. He's funded now by some help uh, that he can be in a home chained to two palace guards. Right? And these, are, these are people who are in the palace of the emperor and, and very kind of exclusive people, very high status, but they're literally chained to him for 8 to 12 hours at a time and, and they cycle through. and There's no prison break happening here. right? He's stuck. And from an earthly sense, the barriers are too great that he'd ever share the gospel again. If I'm, if I'm someone from the church of, of the Colossians here, I'm thinking Paul's going to die. This is where God opens doors that you don't expect to be open. We pray in ways that we think God should move, but he moves in a much different way. And I believe there's people faithful here praying for these doors to be opened for Paul to share the gospel. And it happened in a way that people didn't expect. This is the beauty of reading the whole Bible together. Now another letter he wrote from this very same house arrest was the letter of Philippians, which happened about a year after he wrote this. He's soliciting now this prayer request that the the doors would be open for the message to be proclaimed. And and God answered it in a really interesting way. The book of Philippians, he starts in chapter 1 by kind of giving an update to this prayer request. Again, this is about a year later after he wrote that. Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14. And he's saying, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me, and he's talking about his house arrest, has actually served to advance the gospel. So don't feel bad for me. As a result, it's been clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone that I'm in chains for Christ. And so what he did in this moment is, he's he's chained to these two strangers thinking, poor me, I wish I were out there sharing the gospel with the people who need it. And at some point, he's kind of like, wait a second. They're chained to me for 8 to 12 hours with nowhere to go. Right? And it's possible I'm going to die anyway, so who cares? I'm going to share the gospel with them. And as a result, he says the whole palace guard came to know who Jesus was. This is this group group potentially thousands of of guards who really had, nobody from the outside had access to them, but now Paul has an influence to them to share the gospel. And the doors were opened behind locked doors. And not only did that happen, he writes in verse 14, that because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Not only was he sharing the gospel in-house arrest, but now it's inspiring many others to share the gospel where they are. I love this because it demonstrates how powerful God is and how faithful he is to the prayer of God, open the doors, give me an opportunity to share Jesus with this person who I know needs him. Remove the barriers that are in their lives. Soften their heart. Remove the scales from their eyes so that they can see clearly. Because God works in powerful ways, ways you wouldn't expect, but ways that He has determined. Pray for those who need Jesus. I want to just give you a second here. I'm going to give you five seconds to think to yourself. Who is someone in your life that needs Jesus? Did you get a name that popped in your head? Maybe you saw a face. Maybe you have some memories with them. Pray for them. That's the first step. Pray for them. Commit to regular prayer for them. Pray for the people in your life who need Jesus, that the door would be opened for them, that the gospel could be presented clearly. It's hard to know sometimes how we pray. How do you, how do you pray for people? And I love seeing the, the, the heart and the attitude of, of Jesus through the scriptures. He had Great compassion on people and in Matthew nine there's a moment where he had been doing a lot of teaching a lot of preaching of the gospel and in, in many towns and cities and he's traveling all over the place and there's crowds of people who always gather and, and that at the end of Matthew nine it says that Jesus took a moment where he had compassion on them and compassion in the Greek is', is, is like this deep feeling just this this enduring, this just ache for people. I think that's the first thing you can, you can pray for as you pray for others is, God, deepen my compassion for them. Deepen the church's compassion for those who are lost. And pray for the individuals because Jesus said he saw that all these people were lost. They were sheep without shepherd. They were harassed and they were helpless. They, they were hopeless in this world. Pray for these individuals who need Jesus, that God would soften their hearts and that they come to this understanding of their need for him. And then Jesus told them, pray for a laborer to come. He said that this is God's uh, field, this is his vineyard, and it's ripe and ready for harvest. Pray for the harvesters to come. Pray for someone to come into their life who needs Jesus and understand that that person could be you. As we get on to the next uh, prayer around evangelism, it's pray for those who share Jesus. Now, this could be others. This could be you. But Paul is soliciting this prayer that when he gets the opportunities and the open doors, that he would proclaim the message of God clearly as he should. It's not just praying for open doors. It's praying for open mouths and open dialogue. And this verse can, can mean a couple of things. It can mean to have this boldness and this courage to walk through the open door or to have the wisdom to share the right words. And that's something you can be praying for yourself often is when God gives you the opportunity to say, God, help me to not chicken out. Because it's, it's really easy to, to kind of think of all of the reasons you shouldn't share Jesus with them that day. I'm just too busy Someone else is more qualified. I, I I got too many other things on my plate right now. But the consistent message throughout the Bible is if you believe God is with you, that you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be discouraged. And the same is true in evangelism. Pray that you can proclaim the message clearly and, and have others pray for you too. If you know you're going to have a conversation, say, hey, could you just pray for me? that I could just communicate very clearly the message of Jesus. And LifeWay did a study in uh, late 2019 that came to find out that the overwhelming uh, majority of Christians, professing Christians, do not share their faith. In fact, almost 70% have not done it once in their life. And the, reasons, the top reasons were this. First is fear. Fear of losing friends or or just failing to succeed in that area. Second is that they felt there's a lack of opportunities in their life. It's not recognizing the moments around them, I'd say. The third is lack of motivation. They just didn't really feel a strong need to share Jesus with people who didn't know him. Fourth is feeling unequipped. And the fifth is just saying they're simply too busy, that it wasn't a priority In their life. This is the importance of prayer, is that God would give you the boldness and the courage to do it when it comes. And know that it can be incredibly nerve wracking. But God will give you the power and God will give you the perspective and the words. And that's the second part of this, is really praying for the the right words when you get there. Because there's the truth of God that's universal and it can't be changed. But there's different ways you can present it, right? And, and for some people, they kind of have an a, uh, approach of just kind of just nailing people over the head with a spiritual two-by-four, and this is God's truth, and if you don't like it, tough. Now, that can work in some cases, and for some people, they need it presented in that way. But you can share God's truth in different ways and at different times and for different people. How you share the gospel with a preschooler is probably different than how you'd share it with a high schooler. How you share it with an atheist would probably be different than how you'd share it with a Buddhist. But you understand the idea here is that you need to be praying that God would give you the right words to proclaim it clearly. The right words, at the right time, in the right way. And have others pray for you too. But the big idea here is when you get an open door, walk through it. That's the next uh, thing you can pray for is a sense of urgency. And Paul urges us here to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Now, the word for outsiders here uh, really means just anyone who doesn't believe. People who who are not a believer. So it doesn't mean like the other Christians at the other church. This means people who do not believe. Be wise in the way you act toward them, because you are the representative of Christ to them. When I see this, it's it's understanding that outsiders should always be viewed as an opportunity for the church rather than a threat. And this is a clear call for every church, is that outsiders are potential insiders. And that's how all of you are here today, is at one point in your life, you were an outsider to the church, but Christ let you in. Now, if the church were just a, a simple gathering of every believer in the area, and, and here we are gathered in this uh, long and narrow concrete tube every Sunday, if it was just a simple gathering of us and outsiders were never allowed, our church would be dead in less than 10 years. You have to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And know that the gospel is just as much theirs as it is ours. We also see this sense of urgency to be faithful to the opportunities God is giving you right now. Today, you will have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone. And in the Greek, to make the most of these opportunities, it's literally translated as buying up the time. Okay, grabbing the time that you have. And it's this idea, like, buying up time is like, if you see a really good sale on something, you're going to grab it. You're not going to think about it. And imagine for a second that, that you're going to buy a new car, and the, the, um, the salesman meet, meets you in the parking lot and says, just for you today, we have a special deal. Every car on the lot is one dollar. Sounds great, right? You quickly do the math in your head and there's 200 cars on the lot. It's like, well, I got 200 bucks. What would you do? You would buy every last car there, right? You don't care what it is. You, you would buy it. And, and I would buy them and I'd just come to, to church and I'd say, you get a car and you get a car. And it, like, I would buy every car while thinking of it. And that's what this idea is here. But, but imagine in the same situation, you're like, well, let me think about that. I'd like to test drive all 200 cars. I want to make sure that there uh, is fresh tires on them. And No, when you get a good deal, you pounce on it. Buying up the time means you understand that the opportunity you have is an amazing opportunity. And it may be the last one you ever have. To live with a sense of urgency is to know that your days are numbered. That God could come back at any moment And the glimpse of Christ that someone could receive from you may be the only glimpse they will ever see. Make the most of every opportunity. No more, I'll do it tomorrow, or I hope someone else will do it. I'm into the bigger things here. Every opportunity you have is precious. Precious. And maybe you're someone like me that, that has this goal. I want to reach 10,000 people for Christ in my life. I want to reach 100,000 people for Christ in my life. I want everywhere I go to be, that Christ to be known. And you might have that goal and say, I'm going to go to missionary school. I'm going to, go to, I'm going to go to ministry training. I'm going to get certified. I'm going to do all the things I need to do. But, but maybe there's someone in your life right now that needs Jesus. If you want to go across the world to share Jesus, but you can't go across your street, you're not making the most of the opportunities you have now. It reminds me that that those who are faithful with a little can be trusted with much. Make the most of the opportunities you have. And don't wait for the opportunities you think you need. Take advantage of the opportunities you have now. Pray for the sense of urgency to be aware of what's happening around you. And to pounce on the opportunities when you have them. The last is this, in, in verse 6, is this idea of praying for the conversations you have. These grace-filled conversations. Because like I said, there's, there's ways you can share the gospel uh, that, that might actually turn people away from Jesus. Jesus. Right? You want them to, to have these conversations and these words that they will receive and that they'll chew on. And what's written here is that you should let your conversations, and this is referring to those with outsiders specifically, let your conversations be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Okay? To be grace-filled conversations means you're using words in a way that encourages them and uplifts them. It's not a call to compromise in God's truth, but to present it with grace and with love. And unfortunately, there's many barriers that have been created over the years because Christians don't use their words well. And once you use a word, you can never take it back. It becomes a barrier. Season it with salt. And what this means is, you know, sometimes if you think of salt, you think of like... You know makes you thirsty, and this is to be seasoned with salt, which means that you're enhancing the flavor of something. And maybe you've had that unpalatable uh, stock of celery. I, I don't like celery, and it's hard to eat it, but if you just sprinkle a little bit of salt on it, it makes it tremendously better, and you can chew on it and you can digest it. That's the way you should approach your conversations with people. is make it something flavorful that they'd actually like to chew on and digest guard your words. Pray about them. Because as I said, once you use the wrong words, it makes the right words less effective. Pray for grace-filled conversations. As we wrap up today, I just want to come back to the overarching thought we had in all of this. As you're preparing yourself for evangelism, and by the way, you might still be asking yourself, I get all this, but how do I do it? Well, that's that's the sermon that we're going to end with at the, at the end of the month. Here is really application-heavy stuff of of things, you know, strategies and methods and all that. But the baseline is this: effective evangelism only comes through effective prayer. Pray about this stuff regularly. And so here's three um, homework items for you. And the first: pray for someone daily who needs Jesus. Maybe it's a couple people. Maybe it's five people. But take those 10 minutes a day that we're challenging you to do in in Bible study and prayer. Incorporate someone you know who needs Jesus. And then pray for those who share Jesus. Have others pray for you as you share Jesus. And this is the value of our three goals, giving them 10 minutes, also connecting with others. Now you have a group of people where you can say, can you please pray for me because I'd like to share with someone. So pray pray regularly for those who share Jesus and have people pray for you. And the third is to pray for wisdom and courage to respond to the opportunities you have. Pray that God would give you a sense of urgency and boldness. But in all of this, trust it to God. Pray, pray, and pray some more. And don't run out of fuel on the journey. Let's pray together. God, we do want to just commit this goal to you and and the excitement of uh, being able to share your message and and the privilege and the opportunity. But God, I pray that we do not do this in our own power, in our own efforts, in our own understanding. But that would be leaning wholly on you. But God, we thank you for all you're doing in, in your church. God, this is your church. We are part of your church that we are a part of this great movement that you started long ago. That these words of life are your words. That you can change us into new people through your power. So may we just be ever dependent on you day by day, moment by moment. That you'd be working in us and through us. But God, I pray that we bring all matters before you. That we'd have this compassion and this burden to reach all of those around us. Those who are lost and hopeless with your words of life. So God, encourage us and inspire us in this. And uh, may we just uh, rejoice in all it is that you're going to be doing. And so we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.